Let me ask you something. Do you know how much money your father's company pays for a picture of a child killed by a creature? $50,000. Do you know how much money I get paid for a picture of a happy child? Nothing. Which is the same exact price we get paid for reviewing H.P. Lovecraft Inspirations. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of cinematic Lovecraft inspirations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I am Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be reviewing 2010's Monsters, written and directed by Gareth Edwards. Um, before we get into that, though, it's been a while since we've done this. A lot of stuff happened going on. So why don't we catch up a little bit? Yeah. We've been doing this all. But I mean, a lot of pop culture stuff been going on that's normally relevant to our interests. Um, yeah. A few James, have you, have you checked out the, the latest The Moon Knight trailer, the Obi-Wan trailer, any, any pop culture stuff which has just gotten you kind of excited recently? I mean, Moon Knight, I'm excited about because that's a character that I thought would never be adapted to live action. Yeah, because he's uh, Moon Knight's a weird character. <laughs> so, so, and but you know, once I heard Oscar Isaac was like playing him, like, mm-hmm. okay, it's gonna get some buzz. And then Ethan Hawke is the main villain. Yep. Okay, you got even more buzz. And supposedly, all like you know, I didn't watch the last trailer, like the whatever the fourth or fifth trailer. Like, I watched the first two. Mm. And um, I was like, okay, that's that's all I need. That's all I need. It's weird enough that I'm like, okay, I get a little bit of here and there, but I'm like still like, okay, I don't know where they're going with this, but um, I'm excited. And the early buzz is like, people are saying it's the best thing Marvel's done. So, you know, Marvel, you know, cinema, cinematic, whatever you want to say has done. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you, 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 you have my attention now. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched anything of Obi-Wan at all. Neither I am. And which is sad because that's something I wanted like 10 years ago. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that, that'd be great if they, they could make a TV series. Like, you know, you McGregor coming back as Obi-Wan. Because I thought, you know, I still to this day, he's the best part of that. That prequel trilogy. Yeah, I think so. Like he's he's the through line. He's the oh, you no matter how bad the fucking film is. He's good. Like you, McGregor's like, oh no, no, you're still really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, of course I was, but now I'm like, eh, I might be a little burnt out with the star. I mean, <sighs> but then again, I haven't watched any of the Boba Fett. I haven't watched any of the Mandalorian. Okay. So I I kind of like was, you know, since the you know the movies and whatnot, I'm like, eh, I'm kind of burnt out right now. I'll I'll, but you know, I've heard good things and bad things about. Mandalorian and Boba Fett, which sure, yeah. How do you ruin Boba Fett? But I've heard they've done so. Oh, um, they did. Yeah, don't worry, they thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, one day maybe you know when I have like you know six months off <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> you know for some reason. Um, when you're, when you're on up. medical leave, yeah. When you, yeah, you know, like <laughs> I think that's the only way I could take off if I fucking you know make an excuse like, oh, I'm dying. Okay, okay. I guess you could take off mm. for two days. <laughs> <laughs> for two for two days. Two days, but um, no. But I mean, other than that, like, I mean, really, like right now, like you know, pop culture wise, you know, I've just been deep into wrestling. Sure, especially, especially AEW. I know that's on our list, so. Yeah, it's you know. and, and we will we'll we'll get to that because, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't. Yeah. Moon Knight. Um, listen, I'll the, the Marvel TV offerings have been pretty interesting for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty much on board for them. Yeah. Um, I will. So I'll watch that. 
Um, Obi Wan, yeah, I haven't I haven't watched a, a second of the Obi Wan trailer, yeah. so I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, um, Mandalorian, pretty good, uh, <laughs> not great, but pretty good. Yeah. Um, Boba Fett, not very good. Um, <laughs> the uh, the best episodes are episodes that involve the Mandalorian, so it goes to show you. <laughs> um, Isn't that sad? It's like, wait, so now the Mandalorian is cooler than. Yeah, like the book of Boba Fett. So my my, I have many problems with that show. My biggest one though is it. It really relies on you already thinking he's an awesome character because the show doesn't give you any reason to think he's an awesome character. See, that's 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 already like that's a failure because you need to show why. Like, yeah, how long has it been since Boba Fett was around? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it, nineteen eighty three? Sure. Technically, I mean, you know, if you want to go by cinematic. Well, he was a little kid who watched his dad die in episode two, so yeah, yeah or three, whichever he, two, and, yeah. yeah. And then he, and then his father was cloned in the millions yeah. of clones. Yeah, whatever. which yeah. cool, whatever. Um, it was also Barry, which is pretty cool, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it's my my it, one of the funniest things that I find about the book of Boba Fett was that he, because basically the premise is he kind of comes back to well, he's oh, I guess he never left Tatooine. He was just in the Sarlacc pit. Um, <laughs> but when he emerges, he basically goes to take over Jabba the Hutt's throne as like the crime, uh, you know, the crime lord. Um, which, so he, he's a, a cool concept, you know, it is, right? except he's a crime lord who never commits any crime. Like he's just got, like, it, it's, it's my, it's, they, they don't make him an anti-hero. They make him a straight up good guy. Um, yeah, you could have made, I mean, some of the best shows are about anti-heroes like, mm-hmm. or, you know, like to an extent, like, or someone that's actually a villain. But we can't help but like them in some way. Like, you know, you think about the Sopranos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not a good person. Yeah. But he's still kind of like, oh, man, I hope he gets away with that. The Shield, not good people. They had <laughs> some, like, morals sometimes. Like, Breaking yeah. Bad, same thing, Breaking Bad. Like, so you can do it and you can make a villain likable, but there's mm-hmm. still a villain. You still kind of go, well, they should go to jail, I guess. <laughs> Something like <laughs> maybe yeah it's it's um it's the disney i mean obviously because it's a disney property like it is that disney fight version where it's like yeah we're not going to make yeah. him an edgy anti-hero we're just going to make him a, a a pretty clear moral good guy um and there's there's definitely some good stuff about the show but overall i found it to be pretty uninteresting um it's first few episodes are shot or or are constructed in such a way where it's like um, there's two timelines because it's his, it's him in contemporary times. And then also flashing back to him, like leading up to becoming that, which was like, you know, training with the Tuscan Raiders and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, and it's just kind of like, okay. why, why are like, why didn't you just start from the beginning and build up? Like the fact that you have this split timeline, it, it doesn't add anything to the show. And right. I don't know. It, it's one of the things probably the biggest thing we should have learned from game of thrones is you there's a downside to having one unified voice directing an entire universe so i mean mm-hmm. benioff and weiss by the end of game of thrones it was just them and the show suffered greatly they didn't have a writer's room they had them dictating yeah. how the show was going to go and it was clear by the end they were not interested in continuing the show with the Star Wars TV universe, John Favreau's in control of the whole thing, and Which probably shouldn't be in control of the whole thing. No, no. Um, 
And so, and so like, and because it's basically like, you know, it's his, it's his Boba Fett. So we have this character interpreted through the lens of one guy, what he wants to be. Yeah. And I think that's to its real detriment. Um, I mean, like to me, like from what you're saying, like to me, a cool concept would have been showing, <laughs> I don't know, this might be going on a weird, weird tangent, but like him in the Sarlacc pit, like still like being devoured, but like trying to get out. Mm-hmm. But him reliving his life, like almost like you, like you're thinking he's like, oh shit, he's gonna die. But he's like reliving. Okay, how did I start? How did I? And build up to where he was, and then him escaping. And that's the first season. Yeah. Like then you can go on whatever new adventures. But like show his backstory, which is fine. Like show a backstory. That's cool. Show how he's a fucking bounty hunter, but also does have morals to an extent like so he's the anti-hero mm-hmm. which we you know oh man I, I you know i like him oh man that's fucked up what he did there like that person deserved to get killed but okay but he is he's not a hero he's an anti-hero mm-hmm. he's a, you know and then then second season okay then he goes to try to take over Jabba's what, whatever you want to do it like that's what i kind of heard from like people's complaints like it's trying to do like almost too much and then also really doing nothing at all with the character. And it's, it's, um, there's a whole lot more fan service in a distractingly, in a distracting way, which also doesn't really further the plot along. So there, there's apparently there is a, a bounty hunter or like some bad guy that like is in the Clone Wars show that shows up in this one. So, um, his okay. reveal, I, I guess, and I guess fans were even upset about how his design was was changed a little bit. Mm. Um, there's a a fully reconstructed kind of CGI version of a young Luke Skywalker. That I heard about that. I heard about that. Yeah, which is also creepy because it um, the way that they recorded his lines was basically it was just a computer program that analyzed a whole bunch of dialogue from past Mark Hamill lines really? and, and stuff to kind of. Um, allow his lines to be said as they are written, but with, but with like very little affectation. So it, it is like a Luke Skywalker. Yeah. It's a, it's a really affectless robotic Luke Skywalker. That's like, this is horrible in the sense of not just it's bad right now, but also the implications of what it could mean for eliminating actors in the future. And also just continuously giving pouty star wars fans everything they've had before without giving them anything new or challenging um you can it seems to me as favreau is the guy who saw the last jedi and was like fuck that movie man like i'm gonna give you guys what you really want and it's like ugh, please stop from what that sounds like like now luke skywalker is more machine than man (laughs) 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 like he's just like his dad now yep basically robots yeah Yeah, i mean I sort of picture like a still of like the, uh, and you know, they're still like, they're, they're getting there with the young versions of people. Like they yeah. are getting there. Like mm-hmm. every subsequent like thing is like, okay, that does look better than that thing, but it still looks kind of creepy to me. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't appreciate uh, how the Star Wars universe has been so, con- has been so thoroughly kind of, um hijacked by fans and people who want to service them i i I know i don't get that like like do they like like the and you know what's sad about that is that the fans 
are the reason why it kept going and you had all these like really cool like novels and comics that went away from what we knew yeah like, mm. went away from like oh this is the story but like you know what let's let's like deal with how luke skywalker might become bad like almost like like in dark empire yep. like Real he's cool. like feeling the dark side it's like one of the best things or video games that like went weird ways like shadow of the empire which is like my favorite video that was like, good, my, yeah, favorite, that was a, my hmm. favorite star wars video game of all time like you could like you went into different areas was that the one like, with dash rendar i think that's dash rendar yeah, okay, yeah. The, the, the 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 bounty hunter not bounty but like he's the rogue yeah kind of like the han solo but yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and like you got to actually fly and take down the you know ATATs and like yeah. it was like really cool like oh this is a really cool concept for a game like a side mission which is kind of funny because it's almost like um what we're going to deal with today with monsters and how mm-hmm. Jared Edwards went and did a side mission <laughs> movie for the Star Wars universe <laughs> later on it is here yeah. but mm-hmm. but I mean it's sad because don't get me wrong you know growing up Star Wars was a big deal to me yeah me too. prequels came out I was excited and you know after those, I was not excited anymore. But, yeah. So I was one of those tepid fans where I would still read old comics and old novels and be like, okay, this is this can be really good. And then, you know, when the new movies came out, you know, I didn't hate, you know, I liked a little bit of this one, liked one more, you know, you know, I liked Rogue One a bit, you know, Solo was all right. Yeah, you know, it's always fine. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like, oh, this is the worst movie ever. Like, yeah. but again, it's almost a lot of these, like, you know, again, they go the safe route. Like, oh, you know what? We went away that like kind of alienated people because all these fans, these, you know, these bros that like just took over. You know what? Maybe we should um just make it homogenized, like boring yeah. shit. Yeah. And that's kind of like <clears throat> what I feel like. And it's funny because, you know, I was, you know, again, I haven't watched any of like the the animated stuff since like the, yeah, the Tarkovsky, like Clone Wars, the shorts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those were amazing to me. But the other stuff I heard is like great because they kind of go different ways around and introduce different characters. So it's like, why is that, you know, like that's okay. Like they, they do it well and people like champion it. But then this other stuff, it's like, eh, let's um, let's make it like you know, let's spoon feed you. Like, oh, you know, you like you like that Boba Fett? You like that? It's like, no, like like give me something new. Like, it's okay. Like you can make him an asshole sometimes. No, yeah. no, no, no. You don't cheer assholes. And then I'm thinking to myself, um, I watch professional wrestling. I I cheer a lot <laughs> you of assholes. Do it all the time, yeah. You know, <laughs> like I do cheer a lot of assholes. So it's like, but then again in the wrestling world you have one company that tries to like you know not not even go for what the fans would like but like oh that's actually a clever way to do it and then you have another company that just goes you're gonna watch anyway right so who cares yeah any oh my god so i i have i have not been i have not been a, a, a an avid wwe watcher since i was shortly set after i graduated college okay I, I have not even been a casual WWE watcher yeah. since um, for a few years. Um, 
but I, I, I still tend to kind of keep up with what's going on um, because basically like my Google feed will be like, here's news of what's yeah. going on. Here's developments. And yeah, it just seems like they're just kind of recycling the same storylines from 10 years ago. Like it's just the same champions trading the belt back and forth and thinking like, you know what everybody wants is either Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns and that's it. That's all they want. And like, it's funny you said it because, you know, in the last year, and actually it's a year, it was a year to the day when we'll talk about revolution where Corinne just, you know, happened to just see me watching last year's revolution aw's revolution and mm-hmm. going, what do you want i'm like oh i'm watching the, the aw pay-per-view oh can i i mean yeah of course you can watch with me yeah. and it, and and she wa- and it was two matches she watched with me she watched the it was darby allen and sting versus uh it was uh brian cage when he was still part of uh team taz and yep. uh ricky starks in a it was a cinematic match so it was like this moody building and like you know but but i remember her going Wow, who like this guy Brian Cage? He's just taking Darby Allen and just holding like I'm walking up the stairs with him, just like like a rag dust. Like, who the hell is that guy? And who's this guy with the face paint? And who's that older guy? And me <laughs> explaining to her, like, oh, you know, it's just like wow, that was cool. And then watching, and it's funny that she became a fan after this. So it tells you this that even with a botched finish, <laughs> Kenny Omega, John Moxley barbed wire exploding death match where it looked like fucking sparklers at the end like oh yeah yeah okay yep that and you know i i tell people this i'm like she watched that looked at me and went and i went and and she to this day she goes she she said she sees my face drop and go that's not supposed that wasn't supposed to happen she's like what do you mean i'm like that's not a exploding death match yeah that's that's, that like what is that and like her laughing, but you know what? Since to, since then, she's been an avid AEW fan. Mm-hmm. So when I try to show her WWE once in a while, like I showed her Raw, the Royal Rumble, which is like the only WWE event that I always will watch. Like WrestleMania, like I'll watch some matches, but like Royal Rumble, I'll watch the whole thing. She was so bored, like 20 minutes in. She's just like, you're going to keep watching? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, because I was bored too. Like it wasn't like it was just her. Like no, it was boring because it's the same shit. It's just oh look, Brock Lesnar won the Royal Rumble, yay, yeah. You know, and it's like okay, and look, I like Brock Lesnar. You know, he's a badass. You know, big motherfucker, cool. But it's like, but then again, they're like a hundred percent corporate now. Like, yeah. Corporate, corporate, corporate to the to the extreme where, you know, they even like fired Vince McMahon's son, Shane McMahon, like because he was being a dick behind the scenes. Um, but you know that kind of leads me to AEW. Where yeah, I have to say, one, I don't mind. Like you know, in the past, I'd be like, oh, you know, like I don't want to pay for that. You know, like you know, you know, like well, I mean, I got to pay for like fifty dollars for a pay per view. I actually like I'm excited. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, fifty dollars because it's also it's once every like three months. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right now it's still okay. I might change that if they do one a month at some point, like WE did, you know, many, many moons ago. But mm-hmm. and 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 Revolution was probably, you know, hands down one of the best 
you know, from start to finish, one of the best pay-per-views like I've ever watched. Like just every match, even like like I think I think I even text, you know, text you that like there weren't really any stinkers. You didn't go, oh, that fucking match was terrible. No, it's the, more like, oh, okay, that match was all right. You know, like that was pretty good. The the only the only match I didn't watch at Revolution mm-hmm. or or didn't watch parts of it was the um, Britt Baker Thunder Rosa one only because okay. of this because I I wasn't able to finish watching Revolution until like basically kind of like a week after it aired. I wasn't able to watch okay. it that day. Um, that's, you know, that was uh, the weekend my in-laws were in town. And right, then, right. you know, uh, so I watched half of it and then other shit happened. So I kind of had to hold off it. So it, it was enough where watching TV one day, I saw the commercial for Dynamite in which it was going to be Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker in the cage match. I'm like, okay, so I know that she in, didn't win that match. And in San Antonio, yes. where yeah. she's from, mm-hmm. like, and then, yeah, it's one of those things where at first, it's funny you say that because when I watched it, I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like, I wanted Thunder Rosa to win. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like you, that's like, but then when I heard, oh, they're coming up to San Antonio in two weeks from there. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, she's going to fight to get the chance to fight again. I'm like, yeah, she's winning it big and, and it's better for TV. Like, it's, so it's one of those matches you go, yeah, you don't have to. I mean, it was a great, you know, it was a good match, but it's like, yeah, you're gonna get the better one two weeks from now. Yeah, um, and that and that was a year to the day when they had their lights out match. Where, yes, which where where Britt Baker became a superstar. Yeah, where which is the that. the only wrestling shirt I have. It's yes. the one with her with the bloody face, and it says uh, role model on it. I'm like, exactly. Oh. Um, but isn't it funny though? Like it's like a year later. Oh yeah, there yep. you go. Um, and it's also and and I love that there's there's a payoff like that, but then also there's an understanding of good storytelling, mm-hmm. as evidence in the fact that MJF and CM Punk oh, in Chicago, yeah. where Punk is from, and MJF beats him not once but twice in the same night because he cheats far, the first time, gets caught, yeah. and then wins again, and like. You but did also this, cheats, but cheats a second. But time. cheats a second time, like, and you did this in Chicago, and then it just yeah. adds more build up to the ultimate. I got to be honest with you, the, their match at Revolution, like, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was great, but it's still like the payoff of that, like, of Punk not just beating him, but then also with the Wardlow interference is like this is such a culmination of a long yeah. journey for all three of them. Like, ugh, it, it's right. such a good payoff, and it's, and it's still continuing with the Wardlow thing where MJF now screwed him over, like like since then so it's like and 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 that's again that's like any sort of storytelling Mm -hmm. like you have to one you have to you know to me at least you have to care about the characters yep or hate the either hate or love or like you know oh cheer like if you don't care then you know like because like corinne sometimes like i don't care about those characters so i don't care about the match i'm like well i understand that like there's no story behind it so why would you care about the match but if there's a build up and you go, oh man, like the stuff with like my favorite, like my favorite match of that night. Well, there were two matches I loved. There was Eddie Kingston, Jericho, match, Jericho which, yeah. was, which was just like a good brawl. And like, and like finally Eddie Kingston got that big win. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, good. By submission. Then, yeah. Yeah. By submission. And then they continue that story where now Jericho is full heel. Yep. And it's, and it's great because, but it's, but see again, 
they do a way where they go, you know, in WWE, they'll just throw people together. Okay, uh, you five guys, we're not doing any with you guys, so we're going to put you all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Okay. Well, you know what I mean? With Jericho's I- group, it's like, oh, he did like something with each of these, or like there, there is a connection. Mm-hmm. And even though he was trash talking 2.0 weeks before, and then he, and it's the funny thing where he just comes up, oh, we're going to go by our real names. Yeah. And he mm. just comes up with the stupidest fucking names. Yeah. And I'm like, I know, I was like on the floor crying because I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So they're going full tilt with it. But it's true. Like he gave money for Daniel Garcia when mm. he was in his horrific car accident where they told him he would never wrestle again. So already, you're like, well, well should I boo them? Like, and that's what I kind of like about that. Like, you go, like they're so delirious where they're like, oh, we're just Jericho fans, but like we wanna we wanna be sports entertainers, mm-hmm. which again is a knock at WWE, which is fine by me. But then you have the other storyline, which right now it's not gonna be with there's not gonna be a few with those guys until later on, but you have Mox and Brian now this scary tag team where mm-hmm. and then you have Regal with them. And William Regal is like my favorite of all time. So I'm like like Tony Khan like must listen to like my brain. I'm like, <laughs> man, I wish Regal would come to AEW. And all of a sudden, like I actually Corinne was like kind of like not half asleep, but she was kind of like falling asleep because it was a long show. And then when Regal came out, I went, I went, oh shit. And like <laughs> and Corinne just jumped out of her seat. She's like, what the f-? like, what are you doing? I'm like, yep. and she doesn't know who I'm like, it's it's someone you don't know, but you yep. will know. Mm-hmm. Like you will know him out because I will explain him to you, but in a in a proper way, not in a. How do you not know about Wayne Regal? She's not, you know, she didn't get into wrestling until many years later. Yeah, why would she know William Regal? But but since then, she's like, oh, I like this guy. He's like very soft spoken and stuff. I'm like, yeah, he's soft spoken, but he could also fucking break your neck. It's like she's like, I like that. Okay, I'm like, and then you have their thing where they want to be wrestlers. Yeah, like they want to bring back wrestling. So I'm like. Okay, you you know down the line you're gonna have Regal's group versus Jericho's group at some point. Come on, like we. But again, that's Tony Khan putting that in there without even saying like, oh yeah, they're gonna feud. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if they feud? And in like six months from now, you're like, yeah, I knew it. Like I knew it. They had to. Um, and it it speaks a lot to. Tony Khan and I guess just the the development yeah. and the coaches and managers of yeah. AEW because I 100%. find the stuff that I am most excited about is the tag team division because oh, the best tag team division in the world for me the best show at Revolution was that opener the trio tag team match for the belts with Luchasaurus or with a uh, oh, Jurassic Express Red Dragon and, and then the, the Young, Young Bucks. Bucks oh. Because it's three distinct styles yeah. of like the technical wrestlers in Red Dragon, the high flyers in Young Bucks, and a mixture of high flying and power in Jurassic Express. Yeah. And how it all worked together in such a phenomenal match. And like, you know, yeah. now the, the Hardy Boys have been reunited. They are not mm-hmm. the, 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 the people that they once were, as evidenced by Jeff Hardy's uh, Swanton Bomb was kind of you know not exactly botched but also wasn't you know up to snuff yeah. 
it was like very like oh you fell right on me okay yeah Ouch. especially now because like you've seen people that kind of do that almost better than him yeah. um uh but but i also but i'm still geeking out the at the prospect of like them in a young bucks match at some point you know are, yeah. are gonna drive people insane and i, I gotta say i uh, I know he had a lot of hype and people love him from NXT. I had to be sold on Adam Cole. Okay, so you were sold finally on that match? On that main event with him and Hangman, that's it it did it for yeah. me. Like Yeah. It, it was I mean, it was like it was I, I, I don't think it was the best uh, I don't I don't even know if I'd put it in the maybe in the top three of Revolution, but it yeah, was it's my a, top five of It was a really solid match between the two of them. Uh, and it was like, okay, so this guy can do because and it, it wasn't yeah. as though Adam Cole was bad. It's just a lot of his work since he showed up to AEW has been him in a tag match or him having his like friends kind of cheat to get him to the yes. to win. No, I agree. And like Cur- Curran is like in your your boat going like, oh, he cheats all the time. Like Cur- Curran is like one of those people like she'll watch rather and be like. What do you always, why does he always have to cheat? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I agree. I agree with you. Like, she, cause she gets pissed at that. She's like, oh, I didn't want to watch this match because I know he's going to cheat. Um, this is uh, supposed to be a film podcast. So we should probably <laughs> talk yeah. about uh, the film, which is of course, Gareth Edwards uh, feature film directorial debut monsters. Um, a really interesting movie. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if you, James, or the listeners are kind of familiar with this, because, I mean, everyone kind of knows Gareth Edwards now because of Godzilla, because of Rogue One. Rogue One. Um, Monsters is where he got his start and was famously almost entirely an improvised shoot. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was aware of this because back in the day when Monsters came out, I was working for a video production company, and we were actually working with um, Adobe, and so we did an interview with him because famously everything was integrated in, in, in Adobe. Like the, you know, he used Premiere Pro for the editing, Photoshop for a lot of the creation, After Effects for a lot of the motion graphics thing. Um, but Gareth Edwards was a guy who worked a lot in, in VFX, um, a lot of TV uh, and film, short film stuff. Um, but he conceived of this, of this idea after seeing uh, a fisherman attempt to bring in um, a large creature in a net and just imagine that it, there was a monster inside of it. Um, he had an idea to make a monster movie set years after most other monster movies end when people aren't running and screaming, but life is going on and where a giant dead sea monster is considered completely normal. So he pitched this to this idea to vertigo films and they gave him some money to do it. Um, I remember at the time this movie came out, everyone was saying like, yo, this was shot for like $15,000, which is objectively untrue. Um, that's how much they spent on gear. Uh, but the total cost came out to a little bit around like 500,000, which like, you know, still, yeah. it, looks, uh, it looks amazing for five. Even it, still, it looks amazing for 500 grand for half a million dollars. 12 years ago, this movie right. still looks very good. And like, yeah. are, are there some shots where it's like, okay, yeah, I, I know that that crash yeah. train isn't really there. Um, I, I know that monster, but also like, Anything that you see, any sign that had to do with the infected zone, any military vehicles, planes, helicopters, all created for this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and this was him doing it by himself. There was like a crew of six people, basically him, the two actors, Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel, yep. who were dating at the time. Then they got married. They have sadly see, since divorced. But. It's funny you say that because I, I remember when that movie came out and like soon after, oh, they fell in love on the set. And I went, really? 
and, and I think they played it up a lot more just to kind of yeah. give it a little, little extra buzz. Yeah, that was the story. I, I, I was sad that they did get divorced in 2019. I'm like, oh. yeah, but they have two yeah. kids and they're committed to to raising them. Uh, yeah. You know, to, but yeah, that's that. It's that fun. was a, that was a story I heard too. But apparently, um, Edwards met Scoot McNary based on uh, the recommendation oh, of, of Vertigo Films. There was a, a, a low budget film, In Search of Midnight, that was only like fifteen thousand dollars that Scoot McNary was in. So he yeah. met Scoot McNary first, and Scoot was like, "Hey, yeah. why don't you hire my girlfriend as well?" Um, and so they made this. They made this movie, but a crew of six: Edwards, the two actors, sound guy, production designer, line producer, basically just traveling around through Central America for three weeks in a van, literally going to a town, finding some locals and convincing them, "Hey, do you want to be in a sci-fi movie?" Yeah, um, that's that's great. And, and I remember talking to Edwards, um, or or being part of that interview when my company interviewed him. That he he said that there was like basically. For every day that they were shooting, there was a red page and a blue page, and I forget how it was divvied up, but one was just kind of the emotional beats they wanted to hit, and another one was just the actions that they wanted them to do, and then they would just improvise shooting that day. So, basically, I mean, if you go on IMDb, some of these people were maybe non-professional actors who have done some more stuff, but a lot of them are just locals, where it's like, hey, do you want to be in a movie? Um, which is surprising, because, like, the dude that they're talking to about the fairy, mm. um, just a guy... Just a guy that they talked into, which, like, yeah, which is great because he's really good. Like, he's like kind of an asshole, but you kind of understand why. Like, oh, supply and demand. Like, yeah, it's five thousand dollars. Sorry, yeah, I, I can't do anything about it. I, I, like, wait, I lo- he, yeah, he I wasn't lost- an actor. No, yeah, they're like, oh, I lost my passport. That's not my problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, but even like, so there's that shot when he like when he points to a map where he's like, you know, and it shows the infected zone and the ferry routes. Like, that's that's basically a hamburger menu. And Edwards just kind of like made something and like put it in post and be like, it looks wow. entirely seamless, you know? See, yeah, you saying that's like, you don't see that. Like, like no. again, even the stuff you kind of go, eh, that's a, it's still not bad. It's like actually pretty well done. Like, because yeah. the way it's shot and where it's like, look, okay, it's, it's down there, like the train that's like mm-hmm. broken up. You're like, okay, I mean, I guess from far away, it looks pretty good. I mean, that's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But everything else, like the creatures look like otherworldly, you know, the destruction. Like, you know, when they're passing by, you see a, dis- a destroyed building. Yeah. No one that's like not there. You're like, oh, my God. Like, really? That's not no. there? Like it, it, but it, yeah. Like amazing. Everything seems like it fits within the universe. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and even like I remember because this is for both of us. This is the first time we've seen the movie yeah. since we first saw the movie in, in 2010. Yeah. Um, and even watching it again, I remember, you know, he does a decent job of like not directly showing you the aliens like they're kind of it's at night or you just see their tentacles or something. Um, but then even when you kind of get a full shot of them, it's like, oh, but there's this weird sheen to him, which just looks kind of like cheap CGI until you actually see like, well, no, it's not a sheen. Their skin is translucent and they are right. they are emitting bioluminescence like, oh, shit. No, that's actually a really cool detail that I, yeah, it's I like, like almost like an octopus or a squid. Like, yeah, like mm-hmm. where you see through them, a like jellyfish almost like. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's same same thought where I'm like, why oh, doesn't look that? And I'm like, oh, no, that's no, that's what it actually. Oh, shit. OK, this layers there. It's not like, you know what it is again? Him being a via, you know, a visual effects artist initially. He understands you have to do, let you know, sometimes you have to do with what little you have. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of make it look better than, than, and again, this looks better than still to this day, a lot of big budget films where I'm like, oh, that that's fake right there. Like, like that looks yeah. terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Even some of the Marvel movies, you know, and I, and I love them, but sometimes they don't look that good, especially <laughs> when big fight scenes are like, oh, right there, like, that's not even a person anymore. There's no yeah. face. You no, know? There, there's a Spider-Man No Way Home is is uh, is especially guilty of that. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've been if anyone's been paying attention to film Twitter recently, but there's that, that movie's getting dragged months really? after the fact because of like how how kind of bland it looks and how so many mm-hmm. scenes or so many shots which were clearly green screen but didn't have to be like just people on the street um you know it's like <laughs> ugh, God. and especially because now that dr strange is coming out people are, are comparing screenshots of like here's a sam raimi shot and look at how visually interesting it is and here's you know a spider-man no way home shot and look at how boring it is and yeah you know what right. they're not wrong um, no, no, Sam Raimi has a good eye still. Yeah, yeah, but um, anyway, but uh, <laughs> but so yeah, James, I'm curious. So, as someone who yeah. is who is returning again over a decade later, what were your initial impressions of the movie, right. and, and how have they maybe changed seeing it again? I I think I'm probably a little more on the the positive side. Like, not that you're negative, but like mm. I, I'm like you. I I adored this film when it came out. Like, I was like you know one of those champions like oh you should see this i think it was in my top 10 that year because i'm like really good like for the budget and like you know and now like yeah i see the limitations but i still think the film hinges on a few things and it works like you know you know whitney abel and scoot mcnary like you need to they you know they have to be likable and like a little bit more you know, complex, like, you know, McNary is Calder character. He's like the more complex character because you're like, okay, is he like an asshole? Or, <laughs> and you, you, you know, you know, in the beginning, he's kind of a dick. He's kind of a little too pushy, mm-hmm. a little like, uh, I don't know, a little too like, dude, okay, can you leave? Like, get the hell out of it. <laughs> even, even Corinne's like, what's wrong with him? Like, well, he's like a guy, right? I guess he's like, well, you know, dating you, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm like, no, of course not. But guys are like that, you know, like mm-hmm. a little too pushy, a little too like, Hey, you know, I'm come on, you know, it's like, no, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and, but, but it's funny, like, you know, when you know that they were <laughs> dating at the time and you see like the little glimpses that they give each other later on, you're like, okay, it, it feels natural because it is natural, mm-hmm. but so you have that, and I still think that works. Like both characters work in different ways. Where, like to this day, I still don't know why she's even there in the first place. Yeah, right. Like they don't really say anything about that. Like even he asks her, like, why, why, why do you, why are you even here? Like vacation, like. Mm-hmm. And to this, like, I really think she like ran away. That's kind of what I kind of feel, or something. Or maybe she didn't say she ran away to anybody. Hmm. But like, because you could tell she has some odds with her fiance. Yeah, where she's willing just to give away the the, the ring to get the tickets. Hmm. And you know, even from this, you know, from when like she's gonna part ways with with Calder, she's kind of like she almost wants to like, you know, not be with him, but like. She's starting to dig him, and then of course he's with the other woman that robs robs him. Of course, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Mm-hmm. So like, what what I love, like, kind of what I love about the film is like they have the best luck and the worst luck together. Yep. Like, it's like, oh, they're doing pretty good. Oh, they screwed up. Okay, mm-hmm. 
you know, pretty good. Oh, something happened. Oh, everyone gets killed, but they didn't get killed. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's this weird through line and you know, they work. And again, the limitations are there, but I think it almost like the first half is like a, almost like, like a weird meat cute romantic comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like without the monsters and like the monsters are se- secondary, even though it's that the title of the movie is monsters. Yeah. I think what makes the movie work still is that they aren't front and center. They, I mean, they are when you see them, but that's kind of like to the side. It's this weird relationship with these two. And like, what, why is he run away? Like, you know, his, his deal with his son that he's not really even like, like he's not known as the father or is Mm -hmm. he like, it's weird. Like, like the conversation he's having with like, like, I think it like comes to, you know, a really good, combination at towards the end not to say what but like when they're when they're both on on the phone with their their phone calls you know like she's with the fiance he's with his son and then with the woman he was with for like a couple of months and had the child with Mm -hmm. katie i think is her name and it's almost like they're having like the conversation like not with each other but like it's almost like this weird duel and then to me, like when he's just like crying and like trying to hold it together with his son on the phone, like, oh, that's great. Like, and like you feel for me, like, oh yeah, he's not, he's not like a dick. Like he, you know, he just tries to play himself up more than he really is. Mm. But he had he has feelings. He he wishes he could be a father more like that he wants to be. And then I think like the touching moment is when he's sitting at the gas station looking at her while she's yeah. still on the phone. And she says, I love you too. And he's just like, look at her. And he just kind of lays down. <laughs> and it's almost like this really kind of sad moment where you're like, and he's just like laying there, just like, eh, okay. And then we get a creature. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's what I love about it. It's like, ah, uh, then there's a creature. And it's like the quote unquote, like one of the action scenes. And again, this film doesn't like punch you in, in the head with action. It's just no. like brief action. Then you see the aftermath. Yeah, like, like and the aftermath is grisly. It, it's it's not so much action as much as the, there's the the periodic emotional scene to kind of remind you of like here's here's what's at stake for them and for the world that we live in now. Like the right. um, you know, if it if it's like the river scene where there's something under the water and then it turns out to be like it's a a submerged jet and then a tentacle drags it down. Right. Or when they're out having a good time and partying and they see like all those candles for memorials, of like all right. the people that have died. Um, it just it, it 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 is well it's well paced, at least in the sense of like every now and again, it's like here is what we're actually dealing with. Um, but yeah, it it, right. it it rises and falls based on the connection between the two of them. Um, and yeah, it, it's a little heartbreaking when she says at the end, like, I don't want to go home. Right. But then, you know, based on how the film opened, like, oh, they're not going to get home. Um, well, I mean, we don't. I mean, yeah, we do know that, but we don't know that. I mean, yeah, we I remember, you know, like the violence. But then again, I'm trying to remember when he's. Yeah, like, yeah, because you don't you don't see what happens, but you know, like, OK, something fucked up happened. Yeah. But then again, like, I mean, I never watched the sequels. So. 
I know they're not. I know they're not in the sequel, but I never saw Dark Continent, so I don't know. Ugh. Maybe, maybe watch. No, no one, no one in that movie. Probably in the beginning, it's like, and Sam and Calder were found dead. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's kind of no... like the um, Independence Day sequel. Oh, Will Smith's character is dead. Oh my gosh. a clip of him blowing up. Yeah, because Will Smith wanted an absurd <laughs> amount of money. Um, yeah. But, you know uh, what? Sorry, no. Jeff Goldblum doesn't want an absurd amount of money, though. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and, and it's, I, yeah, because when I, I think it was with you, I wasn't, in 2010 when this came out, I wasn't at a place creatively in my life or my job where I was, like, making top 10 lists or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't start I do movies badly until what 2015 and I, you know, I wasn't writing blogs at that kind of that kind at that moment, but I think it probably would have been on my list. Um looking back at 2010, I think I was really enraptured by other genre fare that came out that year like Inception and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um that was the year of the social network, so of course that was my number 1 cuz that movie is incredible. Um but I think it, uh, but I was like, I was raving about this. I was like, everyone needs to see this movie. This movie is, is wonderful. I own it on Blu-ray. I, I picked it up on Blu-ray like as soon as I possibly could. Um, it is also uh, currently streaming on HBO Max, which is where I watched it. Um, revisiting it again, I, don't get me wrong. I still hold it in very high regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I'm a little bit more aware of how the improvisational nature and the low budget nature of it hinder it a little bit um, in the sense of um, uh, like that river scene. They're, uh, they're on the boat yeah. at night. They see something under the water and it turns out to just be a, a sunken plane. But then a tentacle comes up and grabs it. And while it is supposed to be a reminder of like there are there is a threat. This is what these things can do. Right. Um, it, it's it's hard. It was it was harder to feel tense about that because like there was only so much he could show and do with it, um, yeah. or or even yeah, or even that um, even that scene at the gas station at the end with the tentacles. I was kind of wondering like, is this going to be a? I mean, it it couldn't be a. Uh, well, I guess it could have been like a, a War of the Worlds situation. I, I, or, I was thinking, I was thinking that too. Yeah, very. Yeah, it, Kind of similar. In a yeah, is, it, is this like, going to be a tense like thing like that or like Jurassic Park in the kitchen with the raptor scene? And it's like mm-hmm. not any of those things, but also he was shooting things without permission. He was like they were working things up on the spot. And like and you kind of get that because there's not a lot of scenes that really build to something. It's just kind of like it's a sequence of events that we're going through. Um, yeah. and, and I and I. But I also want to be clear that I don't think that's bad. I don't think this is still a very good movie considering it was entirely improvised with a crew of six for a budget below half a million dollars. This is a remarkable achievement of a movie. Which makes Um, sense why he, you know, got noticed right away. It's like, oh, crap, we can. So it's always weird to me. It's like, oh, you can make this for 500 grand. Here's like 100 million. Make Godzilla. (laughs) <laughs> and like, like you know what i mean like why not try to make it for less you know like well yeah and I, toho doesn't want that because toho toho wants it to look like the best ever but it's like okay yeah they 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 wanted what it ultimately became which was godzilla versus kong which like sure it's a fun spectacle yeah. oh uh, it's a fun oh it's a it's fun like it's a, it's the one of the the three godzilla films i can watch over and over again because it's just mindless like not mindless, but you know, it's just cool. They're fighting. Yeah. Okay, little little lulls. Okay, they're fighting. 
Lulz. <laughs> okay, they're fighting. Cool. Mm. Oh, now they're teaming up. Awesome. You know, like, uh, yeah. You know, you know, again, like wrestling. It's like, oh, they're they 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 hated each other, but now they have a common threat. So they'll they'll help each other and then next time I'm gonna fuck you up again. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and and it's it makes sense that based on this, they're like, you know what? Who's going to make this, this Godzilla movies? We got to get this Gareth Edwards guy. Oh, yeah. It made, it made perfect sense. Because, yeah, it's like it's the it's this these huge it's this huge creature um, in a world where it's sort of like, well, actually, it's kind of funny because monsters in a way, it's almost sort of like a spiritual sequel to Godzilla because this is done where it's like, yeah, monsters are just a thing now, whereas Godzilla is very much like the unleashing of this. But Still yeah. dealing with the, you know, human emotions in the wake of this huge, really, or this huge monstrous force, which is literally like destroying the world. Um, and emphasized again, Gareth Edwards and then and then Rogue One, I think, was sort of the pinnacle of this. Like, yeah, the way that he depicts scale and the massiveness of things He's yeah. such a good director of that. I mean, just how in Rogue yeah. One you see the Death Star looming over a planet or in the horizon. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, I really get a sense of the scope and the danger. Godzilla 2 um, yeah, yeah. was very I good. So. I just think my biggest problem with Gareth Edwards, especially not uh, – let me, let me step back. My biggest problem with the projects that he has chosen since right. Monsters is he deserves better scripts. Well, I mean, and that's kind of why Monsters works a little more because he wrote it like for the most and then improvised. So mm-hmm. it was more like his baby. That, you know, again, that's what it is. It's his baby. The 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 following two films were franchise yeah. films mm-hmm. already in a world, or you know, this was the first Godzilla in years for America, but it's still Godzilla. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to- Toho is is infamous for if they don't like what you're doing, they will, cha- you know, they will change it. They will, which is funny to me. Like, how did Godzilla, like, you know, from whatever 1998 get made? Because if Toho was that infamous, back, you know, they could have stopped that movie from being made. Like, they could have had no Matthew Broderick in it. It would have been great. But, <laughs> they, but they could um, have not made Godzilla pregnant. That that there you go. That 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 <laughs> film. But but again, Toho, in order to appease themselves, they. In uh, what is it? Final Wars. They uh had that Godzilla from from the American one get destroyed in like ten <laughs> seconds. Like he was like smaller than everyone else, and he just got smacked around and like thrown away. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but now we see how you feel about that movie. <laughs> but but again, like while I like Rogue One, it's like I want to see him, like you know something original, something. And I think he's working on a couple of films right now. Yeah, that are like at least from what it looks like, original, he, you know, sci-fi stuff that he's doing. And again, when did Rogue One come out? That was what, 2016? 2016, yeah. So it's been six years. He hasn't done anything since, which is like a damn, like that, to me, that's a damn shame. Like he was on his, because it's not like Rogue One or Godzilla did bad. No, not at They're all. hits. Yeah. They hits. So it's like, what happened there? But again, maybe, maybe he's like what you said. He kind of went, oh, you know, I'm burnt out from working with these big budget kind of, you know, tentpole films where maybe I should do my own. Like, again, maybe go take a step back and like kind of do my own thing again. And that's kind of what it feels like. And that actually that actually has me more excited mm-hmm. about what he's doing next. I think one is called Forever. Yes. There's nothing about it like at all. Well, and he, so 
Because, I, yeah, I was just looking that up. And because and, and I think he was attached or he was working on the Godzilla sequel for a little bit and then dropped out due to creative differences. Right. So it, it does really seem like, yeah, maybe he's just, and especially famously Disney interfered and did reshoots with Rogue One. Sure. Um, that's true too. So yeah. maybe he's just like, I can't do this anymore. Like this, this is really, yeah. this is really stifling me. But yeah, and I haven't seen Rogue One since it came out. I remember being really disappointed in it, but like my voice kind of being the minor- everyone else like, what are you talking about? This movie was really good, so I, I should rewatch it again. I I thought it was a solid heist film. Like like I looked, that's how I looked at it as like a heist film where mm-hmm. they're just trying to steal like some blueprints and like. That story you never knew how they got the blueprints. It's like, oh, these spies got it for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just like, but again, like, and I remember it like at the time it was like, again, I'll have to rewatch it as well. I actually saw it at the draft house because I have the um, the special glass, which oh, yeah. I'm sad that like like draft house hasn't done like a pint glass in a while. Yeah, no, like, they why haven't. Did, why, why did COVID stop that? But yeah, um, but this is like, yeah, it's still it's still a really good movie. I will say um, I think Scoot McNary is a bit of a stronger actor than Whitney Abel is. I mean, they 100 uh, percent. Yeah, there, there is there is an inherent chemistry between the two of them for obvious reasons. But also like her her stuff comes off a little bit more stilted. And also that's just I mean, improvisation is a hard thing to do. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've someone as someone who has taken improv classes and, and like performed Same. at improv shows, like it's it's a lot of fun, but it's also like this is it's horrifying have, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be pretty you have to have a very good grasp on your character in order to be like, okay, so in this scene, which is shot days later after this one is going on, what did we already establish about my character, what he cares about, this kind of stuff. So the fact that they're going on an arc, and I have to imagine also probably not shot in sequence this film. Probably so, not, probably not. So you have to imagine or you have to keep in mind like, okay, we already established this about this guy. So maybe this is how he would respond to this thing. Um, I also think one of the ways that the improvisational nature of of the movie kind of holds it back a little bit is thematically, I like I, this is, so this is very much just like a love story based in a world in which monsters are a real thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The movie does kind of have some, hints or threads of sort of like thinking that maybe the people are the monsters because like you know right they're they're walking through war-torn place and 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 he sort of has that thing where it's like well if you ask me this looks like an airstrike where like this entire village is destroyed 100 Um, well even not even villages it's it's just like it's like a little town yeah that's american town that's just destroyed entirely wiped out you have that then that campfire scene with the the mexican soldiers when one is saying like you know the walls make us feel like we're imprisoned in our own country yeah. And and then you have that scene at the end where the monsters where it's kind of like not that it humanizes them. They are alien creatures. But like you see that they have like a kind of a, a, a an affectionate connection with each other as well. And kind of like, oh, maybe these things aren't so bad. And that opening scene, which we also know is the end in which the American soldiers are, are like, it, was it the American soldiers that instituted the attack on the creatures or was it otherwise? So well, it has that it, stuff in there, but it, it's not. It's not a very clear through line, in my opinion. Well, it it kind of reminds me of like what I love uh, Starship Troopers so much because it's like we got to kill the bugs, smash the bugs. But it's like, but where the reason why the bugs attack? Yeah, mm-hmm. because we we bombed them first, and it's like they're just defending themselves. Mm-hmm. Why that movie is actually more brilliant than people give it credit for? It's like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. it it's like it's the it is the greatest anti-war film ever mm-hmm. because 
the story is like pro-war. The original story is like yeah. the most pro-war fucking fascist thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Verhoeven's like, I like the story, but I want to change it to the better way. <laughs> it's like, thank you, Verhoeven, for doing that. But but okay, a little side note where Corinne actually, while watching parts with me, was like, like the reason why she wanted to rewatch it was like it reminded her of the beginning of the pandemic. Oh. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, people, you know, there's signs about masks everywhere. I'm like, okay, fine. Mm. She's like, people are afraid to go out, but not like horrified, but like, what if you go, there's infection zones. Yeah. There's like this fear of like, like, what if you go over there? You might, you might, you might get infected. Things are infected. Like I went, it's kind of a weird take. And I'm like, I kind of like that. I kind of went, so when I was watching it, I'm like, man, I took it like so like that first half has that feel. The second half, not as much, because then it's just a road movie where they're yeah. trying to like escape. But I'm like, huh. Ten years before the pandemic, uh that fear, <laughs> that fear of the unknown and like something that could, you know, kill you that you can't stop. You wanting know? to wanting to close off the border to Mexico. Yeah. Um, again, that was yeah. the other thing. I'm like thinking to myself, oh shit, that's kind of the wall is built and it's like championed. Yeah, that was that, that was a freaky machine. Like when they climb to the top of that pyramid, and they just look out and they see the wall, that huge fucking wall. Yeah. Um, yeah you know it, what? Trump, Trump saw this movie and took it the, the completely wrong way. Oh, got so turned on by that. Yeah, he's yeah, like, oh, oh that wall. Oh, <laughs> piece of shit. But uh, no, um, but, but that like alone and like to me, like the scene that makes this movie and uh, I'm kind of I think I'm weird because of this, but like the scene that makes me like love the character of Calder that because remember, you know, how you start started our episode where what what makes a lot of money? A dead child, yeah. $5,000. What makes, you know, a smiling child? Nothing. Nothing, yeah. And you have the scene when he sees the child dead. He can oh, easily yeah. take, and, and he's taking out the stuff. And you're like, and you know, I had forgotten. I'm like thinking to myself, does he take a picture? Is he like, no, he just covers her up and get and puts the flowers on her. And you're like, see, he's actually a good person. He's not mm. a piece of shit. And it's like, there you go. That's like weird, weird enough, the weird hero, hero moment. Like where you mm -hmm. go, oh, okay, he could have easily done that. Easily. Yeah. And it would and it would have been okay. Like, not okay, but you know what I mean. It would have been like, well, okay, it's that's that's the the career he's in, right? Like, kind of like Nightcrawler, you know, which I kind of had the, <laughs> you know, the whole time thinking, oh, did it's kind of like Nightcrawler too, where it's like, but he's actually not a piece of shit like Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yep, no, yeah, real real piece of shit that guy. Yeah, he's the worst, he's the biggest villain ever. But but I mean, I love that scene, and like again, it's why this film works for me still is because of the human moments of it. And even oh, yeah. like when you have the creatures, they, like the creatures, like you said, they just have this intimacy. Is it because of us that they're attacking? Like, you know, we're the reason why it came down here because we sent the NASA thing out, you know, a probe. Yep. And, it, and then whatever was in it, and then it crash landed. And then they just kind of infected there. They didn't come here to attack so yeah, no, they, they're just they, here. Yeah, they, it's like spores, you know, that just traveled the universe, and some came here, and it's like it's just what they do. It's not not necessarily 
evil or good. It's just benign. It's just yeah. they're creatures. You know, like if I go into a jungle and there's a panther or something there, if it kills me, do, do people say, oh, that panther was evil? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, that's on no, you, man. You, you moron. Like I was here. Like, like I'm in it in, in its territory. And now this is what the creature's territory are. Like it's, they can't help it. They just keep, you know. Yeah. You know, growing out of the trees, go into the water, you know, almost like tadpoles. Yeah, 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 of. yeah. No, and they're did. just kind of doing their thing, you know, mm-hmm. like and procreating over and over again. So the and and most relevant to this podcast and this episode, like I, you know, yeah. keeping in mind Lovecraftian stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. With, with with the exception of the, I'm going to say Cthulhu like alien creatures yeah. um there, there's Tent- there's tentacles tentacles yeah and, there, there's whatever. there's no real hint of lovecraftianness anywhere in here i mean there's this this is a movie like entirely devoid of nihilism it's actually kind of hopeful in in at least yes. what the two of each what these two people find the creatures themselves are are not uncaring i mean they, they have a thing for yeah but it was sort of like okay this is no not it's in like the, not in the slightest bit it's like it's like two percent lovecraftian in the sense where it it doesn't matter what happens they just they're just here like like you know what i mean it's yeah they, they, they're not like oh we we came to like take over it's like they're here they're creatures that kind of look like cthulhu in a way yeah but but are, just enough but not not really not yeah but really. it's but it's also entirely antithetical to anything within a lovecraft story because it's like well no this one is actually saying like despite what's happening in like the larger world like what is important are the, the the human moments and things happening right to us where in lovecraft's like no none of this matters because everything is 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 kind ah. of bl- bleak and dead uh-oh but but the ending the way we were talking about earlier doesn't matter that they found love with each other they're gonna die anyway well sure yeah <laughs> that's the that's the the two percent lovecraft it's like right. oh it doesn't matter they found love finally with each other and eh, they're gonna die but yeah they're, they're gonna they're gonna die <laughs> but i mean but but doesn't but that still doesn't no, rob their, the whole their whole journey of of no, meaning or significance all. um You're right. You're right. But yeah i mean so and, and this was the, i had suspicions of that going into the um going into the movie but like yeah watching it like oh yeah yeah no not not even not even in 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 the this the slightest regard but um yeah um the alien yeah because the aliens are basically window dressing on a human love story uh whereas it yes. is, is do do is there even love in lovecraft I don't think so. No, no. I it, it, it really like, like I forgot what I think it's um, Scooby Doo, one of the new Scooby Doo ca- like cartoons. There's a character named HB Hatecraft, which makes more sense. That's what his name should be. <laughs> but he's actually a good guy. He's actually a nice person. Oh, <laughs> I bet you Hatecraft. I bet you his cat has a normal name. Yeah, I don't think there's anything uh, racial about that. <laughs> yeah, like, like names, names Stormy or something. Yeah, like, or, Fluffy or, or Spike or something probably. It's but, my cat Pickles. Oh, yeah, like oh, that's oh, that's actually that's a good sweet. cat name. Yeah, it is um, a good name, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree it, with you. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not Lovecraftian. It's just like eh, a little. I mean, I guess you. This is like a baby Lovecraftian story where you're like, oh, it's not really, but there's some creatures that look Lovecraftian. So yeah, and start, with, start with that one. I mean, but, but does, good. It, it certainly does speak to just that kind of, I guess, pervasive idea of how, yeah. even though an octopus like lives on Earth, it is still like it's such an alien entity to us. Like this thing yeah. seems so foreign and crazy and, and like nuts. 
which you kind of understand like when Lovecraft is like, hmm, my little god Cthulhu, what does he look like? Well, he of course looks like an octopus, which like, yeah, because that thing is fucking terrifying. Especially in those days where they really didn't have much, like only a few pictures here and there. It's like, yeah, what is that thing? Oh, yep. it must be an alien. That was that was long before they knew that octopuses could uh, unscrew jars and get themselves out, which like, okay, no, this is... That, 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 that's hard. That's actually more horrifying than anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I trapped. I trapped you. No, you didn't. Just <laughs> oh god. Just imagine that Jurassic Park kitchen scene, but with an octopus, where like where Doctor Statler's like, yeah, you know, yes, I'm pretty sure we're trapped unless they knew how how to open doors. And like you just see the tentacle kind of come up and unlock the door. Like oh fuck, no, forget about it. Can't do this. See now, I want to see someone do that with like Jurassic Park, but just with an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Oh. Make it happen, people. Anyway, that's uh, but that's yeah. That, I I don't yeah. have. Do you have any any other further thoughts on monsters? That's kind of no, no. I think we we both on the same page. Like, good film. Check it out. Lovecraftian. No, no, but, not not. But, but a good film. But a good yeah. film. But a real good film, and like where you where you can see like, oh, okay, I get why this guy got this job, and I get why uh-huh. this guy got this job, and also just still, despite how flawed those two huge studio pictures he made are, just like I, I'm confident he's got something still real good inside of him, and I'm. I will always, I will always be like eager as like, oh, give me the next, the newest Gareth Edward news, basically. Save here. Um, so, uh, James, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Okay, John Could- dies at the end. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I knew it. And yep. I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, because it's all, yeah. It, I, I want to, I want to. I want okay. to do that one. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I gave so listeners in the show notes <laughs> or or our notes, I, I gave James a choice. What's next? Monsters, Dark Continent, or John dies at the end. Um, and without hesitation, James has now opted for John dies at the end. So that yeah, makes I sense. Mean, I, I mean, I think. I mean, have you ever seen it? I saw. I I did. I saw it and reviewed okay. it a long time ago when it first oh, nice came stuff. out. But I, I remember basically nothing about it. It's, I mean, what's funny is I same like I you know watched it, reviewed it. Like I think I went to a advanced screening for it and. But I'm a very big Don Coscarelli fan. Mm. I love him to death. I love the Phantasm films. Love Bubba Hotep. So Beastmaster, love that so much. But I, I liked this film, at least at the time, so, so much that I actually read the book as well. Okay. Um, and the book is like even crazier. But <laughs> I'll have to find it and do a quick reread just to kind of brush up. But... Yeah, this is one that I'm I'm excited about, but you know, knock on wood, hopefully it still holds up. But uh, certainly, so that that'll be our our next episode. Will be um, Don Coscarelli and David Wong's John dies at the end. Um, you can catch up on all of our back episodes of Cast of Cthulhu by going to castofcthulhu.podbean.com, or you can find Cast of Cthulhu on basically all your favorite podcast providers. We are Cast Cthulhu on Twitter. Cthulhu cast on Facebook. I am Nolan fixes teeth on Twitter and James is back on Twitter after, yeah. <laughs> after yeah. a long ban, a long, well, I mean that, that name is still banned. So like, well, sure. Yeah. Out, yeah. So now it's Wonka kills kids, <laughs> which, you know, it's more up my alley. Um, oh, and also, also forgot to mention that I was recently on the disenfranchised podcast. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I did a uh, flash Gordon with them. It, fun as hell episode just hear me geek out about flash Gordon and all of us talking about queen and uh, <laughs> Sam Jones's not real voice in the movie and you know, <laughs> Max von Sydow. And, you know, like 
and and to, to the point where they were amazed that while I was sitting, my my flashboard and poster was right there. I was like, oh, I, <laughs> Steven's like, oh, I guess you're a fan. I'm like, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. I'm a little bit of a fan as well. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna geek out, especially Brian Blessed, just like Gordon's alive. Oh, Brian Blessed. Oh, Brian Blessed is is a godsend. But mm-hmm. it was a fun episode. Can't really say it's Lovecraftian, but I did talk about you a bit on the on the episode. I hope it was all bad. Uh, a little bit, no. Just, it's all positive. <laughs> just um, I'm saying how everything, like we kind of look at everything, like is this Lovecraftian? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, maybe this seat is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, fucking give it a rest. Just watch the movie. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. But uh, yeah. Um, Stephen and Brett, disenfranchised pod, friends of the show. Um, yeah. Great they were dudes. Both- I- yep. Well, actually, Brett. Yeah. Like. Brett wants to maybe cover like a something with us at some point, like a like a video game at some point. So we'll. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, we we do we we do need to branch out. Like I keep growing the list of like you know films to cover, but it's like there. I know we promise that it's like we're gonna cover all sorts of pop culture things, and we haven't really. um, Well, we covered one video game. We did cover a video game, uh, and we covered a TV movie. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> well, two no, because because uh, Cast a Deadly Spell oh. was also technically a TV movie. That's so. true. You're right. You're right. So, um, but yeah, if again, if you, if anyone has suggestions for weird like non film stuff, send it our way. If there's an album like 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 a oh man, you know, then there probably is. Like you know, I, I'm gonna guess there's probably a few like metal albums. That oh, Lovecraft, a hundred percent, a thousand, a thousand percent. You know? Um, there like, are there are metal albums, you know, for for Tolkien. I mean, Gorgoroth, uh, which right. is a I believe a Norwegian death metal group. Uh, Gorgoroth comes from Lord of the Rings. It is a right. I believe a tower in uh, the land of Mordor, if I am um, correctly recalling that. Which I'm probably not, but that doesn't matter because we are a HP Lovecraft yeah. podcast called the Cascadoodle. And if you do have any suggestions, certainly email us at moviesofmadness at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to our episode on Gareth Edwards' Monsters. Be sure to tune in next time where we'll be covering Don Coscarelli's John Dies at the End. In the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia.